Welcome to episode 233 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast this week, we're going to chat about the UVET agenda, which uh, was a special conference on artificial intelligence uh, held in September of this year, where a group of designers and future thinkers gathered at the UVET Nature Retreat in Norway. So lovely space. Uh, you may have seen it, right, Dirk, in uh, the movie Ex Machina, right? That was where they they shot that film. That's true. Yeah. Um, part of it was shot at the UVET Landscape Hotel, which is adjacent to the, the nature retreat that you're mentioning. Uh, some of the movie, of course, was shot in London in a sound studio, but some of it was shot at the hotel where, where we had our little gathering. So, so you were there, Dirk, to discuss AI, where it's going, what the potential outcomes are, and uh, Andy Budd from Clear Left uh, published a lovely, uh, it's not really a manifesto, but more of a summation, a bunch of questions that came out of your uh, discussions there over the three days you were there. And, and uh, you know, it's really relevant to what we talk about on the show all the time, which is sort of the human face of these emerging technologies. So I thought today we could we could dig into uh, the UVET uh, agenda and, um, you know, Dirk, maybe you can shed some light on, on the different things that Andy and, and your, your group uh, published on the site. Sure. So, you know, before we get into that, let me let me tidy up some of the framing. I don't know what the event was actually called. It wasn't called the UVET agenda. The the sort of publication coming out of it, we, we called the UVET agenda. And I was organized by Andy Budd um, as sort of the, the imprimatur, uh, along with Clear Left, his firm, and some of the leaders at his firm were also important in, in the, the gathering. And, you know, there were 20 of us total who, who came together. And, you know, as Andy sort of you know, jokingly said, you know, it's it's the you know um, mysterious uh, benefactor invites different and interesting people to an island to you know to have this this clandestine thing going on. Um, but you know, it was it was a very um, it was a very eclectic group. It was one that certainly the the heart of it was in sort of design and user experience. I mean, there were a lot of folks who are um, you know notable in in that space, but there were also um, academics. Uh, there was a, a a well-known fiction author, um, researchers, um, a, a lot of, of different people at the same time. So, you know, of the 20 of us, probably about half, you know, were design UX-ish, and then the other half were from uh, these sort of different disciplines. And, you know, yeah, the, the idea was to talk about AI, because as we've talked about on the show for a long time now, AI is, is just uh, the, the media darling at the moment. It's um, totally on trend has a lot of attention and investment and um, a lot of um, a, sort of a lot of ridiculously big things are being expected of AI at this point. And so it was people who are, um, I, I would say most of us there already were pretty well researched on AI and already had sort of a perspective and opinion, but we were all there to learn. And so um, it, it was people um, who, who had a clue, but were looking to take and extend our our framing of AI and talk about what we think the future looks like, where AI is going, and how we as this group of creatives, sort of designerly creatives, um, will be participating in that future. 
Yeah, that sounds sounds like it was a lot of fun. I mean, just just based on uh, uh, the reading that I've done, you know, uh, around this uh, agenda that you published, it, it asks a lot of questions in a, in a um, you know a human centric and, and sort of practical and and creative centric way, which which I think is going to be absolutely essential to making sure that uh, that technology serves people and not uh, necessarily, you know, corporations or, or just sort of governments or, or larger interests that already have lots of power, right? Yeah. So there were three or four areas, uh, so, sort of larger um, areas of exploration that uh, are outlined on the agenda. So, so I thought we could take a dive into each, each one of those and, you know, get your thoughts on it, Dirk. And, and then also I'll, I'll try to summarize some of, some of what I learned uh, on the site. The first area is uh, power and control, which I, which, which I thought was, was a, a good way to, you know, sort of dive into uh, AI and, and, you know the the areas of concern I think that that are outlined on the agenda are uh, you know economics and and sort of the, the already existing uh, disparities whether it's uh, sort of technological or um, uh, financial or what have you uh, those those have the potential to be broadened. Uh, significantly by the additional leverage of of artificial intelligence, you know, in in part because it seems like the tech industry, you know, this sort of a general statement tends to have these winner take all um, markets, and and it's all too possible that. AI will will result, you know, in in, in another sort of winner take all. Uh, scenario. So, so when you were exploring that, Dirk, what what were the you know the questions that you were asking, and 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 I don't know if you if you delved into ways that you know we could uh, make AI more egalitarian, but but your thoughts on that? From a very personal perspective, one of the delightful things for me at this gathering was that most of the people like me are anti-capitalist. And that was a surprise because in in my experience of networking with other sort of high-level creatives over the years, uh, I'm usually on the fringes in that. But here, there were a lot of people who, uh, I, I don't want to say a majority, but possibly a majority who were firmly anti-capitalist as I am, like throw the whole fucking thing out. It's the wrong thing. Um, but most of the people, certainly people who articulated a position, saw the bad of capitalism and thought getting getting uh, AI in the right direction would be uh, only through overcoming capitalism as a boundary, as a barrier, as sort of the 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 um, the cancerous uh, thing, sort of blocking our our health and our way. So it was really um, gratifying to be in a community of people that thought similarly in that way. Because here in the United States, usually people just think I'm, I'm batshit crazy. And uh, the United States might be a, a key thing to mention there because of the 20 people, half or more were specifically from the UK, Clear Left and Andy are, are UK based. So that network was coming through. There were only a handful of us from um, the United States and a handful from, uh, you know, continental Europe as well. I, I don't think there were any 
people from Asia. So uh, that perspective may certainly be biased by um, the participants and and the you know the, coming from socialist countries and countries with a little bit different uh, bend on these things than we have in the United States. But a, a lot of this stuff about power and control really came down to you know the pursuit and acquisition of capital and the mindset of the system and the people who are participating therein of of trying to maximize as opposed to looking more holistically and trying to to create something that improves the the situation of humanity as opposed to just themselves or the organizations for which uh, they are an agent. Yeah, I, I agree with that approach there. I, I think there are other sort of centers of power, right, that, uh, you know, could potentially use AI to, to their benefit. I mean, in uh, in the U.S., as you pointed out, we, we have a very strong capitalist system, and we also have a strong governmental system, right? So, so, th- so there is the potential for AI to be misused by all all kinds of centers of power, you know, uh, whether or not uh, the NSA, CIA, name your uh, intelligence uh, gathering uh, governmental arm of choice, you know, whether whether th- they would be using the, uh, AI in a responsible way, you know, there's there's certainly ways of managing that, like, we'll, we'll need to consider ways of managing that as well. But yes, I, I do take your point on the, uh, on, uh, the acquisition of, of capital is certainly a, a, you know, a driving factor that would make, you know, AI this tool for leverage and not for, for everybody. Yeah. And th- that thread was certainly also present. I mean, there was an acknowledgement of the power of, of governments, of countries to, um, use the technology to take it in, in, dystopic ways. Um, but certainly the the primary sort of top of mind concern of what people were talking about was was about corporations, you know, the Google, Apple, you know, Facebook and, and Amazon. Like that was top of mind for people and what people are, seem to more urgently be concerned about, um, as I think I, I myself am. Not that the threat ultimately is greater from the corporations as opposed to the governments, but it's certainly more immediate. Um, yeah. Right. So the, the second, uh, topic of exploration, uh, outlined in the agenda here was, was around bias and transparency and, and authenticity. So, so we've talked about this, uh, quite a bit on the show in, in a number of different ways, uh, including, uh, you know, discussing controlling bias, you know, ex- exploring bias first in our, our own, you know, existing rule sets, and then um, really making it possible to audit uh, the artificial intelligence, the, the machine learning, uh, to expose uh, those biases uh, in the system, you know, to, uh, just for example, uh, the use of, of software in the criminal justice system to do things like vet individuals for uh, for possible parole, right? So, uh, you know, including certain rules uh, in the machine learning that that may make it very difficult for people from certain places, right, or from certain uh, economic backgrounds to uh, uh, to be paroled. Uh, in, in, you know, as opposed to setting up a system that's either, uh, you know, a, attempting to reform, right, or, 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 or bias in, in that way. So what, were, what was the discussion like about bias and transparency uh, when you were having it at, uh, at the retreat? 
I mean, there were a number of, of different conversations. I mean, you know, with, with bias, it's, it's interesting because this is a group of people who are very socially progressive. So when we're having conversations of bias, we're assuming things that in the public discourse are contentious, right? So um, many people from, from the media to conservatives to, um, you know, people who are maybe generally less educated question um, the pervasiveness of bias in, in a lot of different ways. For us at this gathering, again, to the degree that people expressed a position, we're sort of all on the same page and it was just assumed. And so uh, understanding how bias works, how it so easily infiltrates and how it so uh, powerfully poisons contexts, this was really um, far forward in our thinking. I mean, bias was, um, uh, was certainly one, one of the couple words that was most used over, over the time together. Um, you know, transparency, uh, that's sort of falling into a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger umbrella that that, that, that word is, um, is representing. And there was a lot of um, overlap, frankly, with some of the things that we were talking about before with power. Like the, the, the lack of transparency is something that can be leveraged by powerful organizations or, or governments to misuse AI, to use it as a club um, as opposed to a tool. And, uh, you know, transparency ultimately is the key for uh, vetting what's going on with AI. And the, the problem is it, it's easy to say if you're the creator of an AI that it's just this giant black box and it's so much is going on that there's no possible way to have transparency. But uh, there, the flip side is there needs to be transparency. Otherwise, we're going to fall victim to um, – you know, to bad actors, either intentionally bad actors or accidentally bad actors that, that hurt us um, regardless of their intention. Right. So as as part of this discussion or, you know, in, in the outline of it, there's there's a, a sub point here, which which I thought was interesting around exploring uh, AI interfaces and asking, you know, should they be human like and and what are the alternatives, uh, in, in particular, I mean, it's it's interesting. We we tend to um, gravitate towards interfaces that we're familiar with on the on the outset of of new technologies. So, uh, you know, the the iPhone UI famously uh, uh, started with this uh, skeuomorphic uh, representation of of icons that, you know, sort of looked like the objects they were representing. And, 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 you know, since, since people now kind of understand the interactions, it's no longer necessary to be quite so, uh, ham handed with the, with the graphical representations. Yeah. So I don't know where we are, you know, in the, in the course of creating, uh, the design language for voice user interfaces, for instance, or, or just for interfaces with, with artificial intelligence, you know, tend to fall in, you know, the, the chat bot uh, is sort of a popular interface right now. Uh, but what were, if, if you can remember, what what were the other uh, alternative UIs for uh, uh, for AI? Because I, I can think of a few that that would be, you know, quite interesting. But of course, you know, we're 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 at this one point where where we're really talking about almost conversational uh, user interfaces. 
Uh, what what sort of alternatives did you guys look at? We really weren't talking at the level of, of um, UIs. So there may have been a breakout or more than one breakout that did delve into that a little bit. But in the in the things that I participated in, that was not not a topic for for consideration. We've probably talked about that more on the show, you and I. Um, it, it's not something that I took away from Uvet with um, with more insight on just because it wasn't uh, wasn't brought up in conversations I was part of. The focus was a little bit higher, a little bit more systemic. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think I think with our smartware discussions, we you know we've talked about uh, AI being integrated in into uh into software in such a way that um you know you're anticipating user needs and you're creating sort of custom uh interfaces that are sort of reforming on the fly to match you know the needs of the uh of the user etc so um yeah, I, I think that's a completely fascinating realm and and I'm sure we'll do a, another separate show on that sometime soon. Uh, the next area of exploration uh, that's listed here is human and societal well well being, and and I like this uh, this question uh, from the site. So so I'm going to uh, quote it directly. If this change is inevitable, how might how might we ensure humanity is changed for the better? Wow, that's a uh, that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? It is, and you know one of the things about the UVET agenda that that you noted is it is more questions than answers. And uh, that was, you know, that was intentional, both from the standpoint that we didn't, um, you know, we didn't have sort of the hubris to throw out there that we had all the answers. Uh, but also some of these things are questions that we weren't even getting into the answers on. And that's a good example of one that uh, we we collectively are concerned about and have a lot invested in, but it's sort of so big. On the opposite, I, like the previous question you asked about UI, now, this question is like the opposite end of the spectrum. We were sort of um, in, in the middle, I would say. But this was very important to, uh, again, I, I don't want to say all, but I mean, in general, to people who were articulating what concerned them and what mattered to them, this was, this was right towards the front of the list. Yeah, as, as a sub-point to this, there's, there's discussion of, you know, the future of work, which, uh, you know, once again, we've, we've delved into often, um, and, and sort of this fear of an automated future in which the human being is automated out and uh, there's, there's no, no reason for, for a person to continue working because the machines do it all. So, you know, certainly, certainly a, a fear there and not entirely, you know, uh, unfounded. So, a little unfounded, right? I mean, it's sure. a little, it's a little um, melodramatic. And mm -hmm. so, you know, yes, jobs are going to be going away. Huge chunks of what we do today are going to go away, but something else will come after it. There will be new and different things. And if we look at the history of work and the history of technology and how technology impacts work, um, while some industries have gone away, new industries have come up. And we now, I think, recently had, you know, one of the lowest unemployment rates in some period of time, whatever that statistic is, that is despite the fact that over the last N hundred years, you know, whatever, 200 some uh, hundred years uh, since the industrial revolution was first, you know, getting started, lots of industries have been murdered. Lots of people have seen their skills um, become obsolete nearly overnight. 
and yet we have very low unemployment in, in the first world. I'll, I'll keep it to the United States. Here in the United States, we have very low unemployment even today, despite all of these things happening. So it is possible that AI is such a cataclysmic event that um, you know, we, there's mass unemployment and, and totally uh, bizarre and, and bad for the, the condition of many of us humans in the process. But history, as a guide, would suggest that um, you know it, the the hue and cry over um, the, the the possible future unemployment driven by AI is is grossly exaggerated. Yeah, I have faith uh, that any forthcoming technology, I have, I have faith in its ability to increase the length of my to-do list. <laughs> I have, or, or to put it in the negative, I have, there's no technology that has ever made my life simpler. So the last uh, area of discussion here is uh, perspectives for action, right? So uh, I imagine, and, and, and you, can, you can clarify this, Dirk, that, that these, these were the areas or, or, or the section where you uh, sort of laid out some, some of the things that, that you might do that, that, that might be the next steps uh, for you all uh, at the retreat. And, and one of these perspectives for action that, that uh, jumped out at me and I think is pretty important is this uh, mainstream understanding of artificial intelligence and, and how it's uh, on, on the site, the, the word is uh, haphazard understanding, but, but this idea that, that we don't really have a solid grasp on it. And, and therefore, I, I would think following on that, we, we can't have informed discussions and drive the agenda if, if we don't fully understand uh, what AI is about and, and what it's, what's possible with it. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's a problem that we still face. I mean, if you, you know, go to the New York Times or CNN or Fox News or whichever media outlet you choose and search for artificial intelligence, the the preponderance of the articles and the content that people are consuming on this are just are just crappy. They're they're focused on niche technologies. I mean, you know, like Sophia the robot is getting a lot of play now. Sophia is a parlor trick, but you would think that it's, you know, sort of the um, the forefront of artificial intelligence. I think I read something today where even the creators of Sophia are saying, no, it's not even artificial intelligence, right? Um, you know, you, you have all the conversation, which we touch on in the agenda about, you know, um, you know, is there going to be a whole different species? Like is AI, you know, essentially uh, going to become an extinction event for humanity? And while you need to sort of nod to that as a possibility that's on the table, it's, it's A, super unlikely, and B, decades down the road in the best case, if it even happens. Yet, it's a disproportionate um, amount of what is being talked about in, in, in the mainstream media and, and by people on the street. So uh, haphazard is the, the way that people understand this stuff. You know, how many people who are reading about AI and are talking to their uh, friends, uh, family, colleagues about AI could give a coherent definition definition of weak versus strong AI, or could talk about what is artificial general intelligence or what is super intelligence. What do those terms even mean? Those are the basic definitional terms of typing out AI. 
people aren't even familiar with them, let alone able to explain them in, in a coherent way. So there, there's a total lack of understanding of what's real and what's not. There's a lack of vocabulary. There's a lack of um, just basic baseline understanding. And, you know, my hope is through things like the UVET agenda and, and things being done by, by a lot of smart, concerned uh carrying people around the world on the topic of AI, that we can sort of get the word out and slowly get people to understand what it is we're really talking about and, uh, and shift the group perspective from a haphazard one to, uh, you know, more of a sanguine one. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at DNemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 233 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>